you to give a great, great, big, warm, new hope welcome to Brother Philip Murdoch as he comes to share with us. Love you too. Amen. What a blessing. What a blessing. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Bowen. It is always a joy to be here with people that I love and, and that I feel loved by. So it's really, really great, really great to be here. Uh, always a, a tremendous opportunity. In fact, uh, when I was flying over here, I, uh, you know, you never know who you're going to sit next to on an airplane, you know. And so sometimes it's good, sometimes, you know, it's... It's kind of like a potluck dinner, you know. You never know what you're going to get when you go there. So, uh, and so I was praying about the person I was going to sit next to, and I, you know, I was thinking, you know, flying into Augusta. Augusta's so nice, you know, so nice people. And and I was sitting, waiting for the to to board the plane, and looking at all those nice people. And so I sat down, I got on the plane before most people, and, and eventually, uh, and I had the last seat in the plane, the last row. The last seat, I mean, it was so far back, I could wash my hands in the bathroom without getting out of my seat, you know. And, uh, and then this lady came and sat next to me, and, uh, you know, I was thinking, how am I going to start the conversation? And it, she started and said, so are you going home or are you traveling? And I said, well, I'm traveling. And, and she said that she was going home, and she... she uh, and, and look what she said. It was really amazing. You know, uh, I was thinking about how to talk to her about the Lord. And she pulled out a book that was written by Max Licardo. And so I said, well, it's pretty good. Good start. So I said, yeah, you, re- you read the Max Licardo book? And she said, yeah. And, and so we got talking. She, she uh, works on college campuses recruiting for an honor society that she works for. I don't even know which one it is. And so I told her I was going to come and speak at New Hope. And she said, oh, wow. She said, is that the church that works with the bridge ministry? I said, why, yes, it is. <laughs> and so she said, oh, I've been there, and that is great what they're doing there. And then, then she said, and we started talking, and then she said, do you know these missionaries called uh, uh, Conway? And, and I said, no. And uh, I did, you know, I, I understand that that's you, right? Yeah. yeah. And so she said, they work in, in, in uh, uh, Columbia. And so we got talking. Let me tell you something, New Hope. You guys are an influence all across this, this, this region. It, it's really tremendous to hear. You know, just sitting next to someone on the plane, and you guys already are influencing her and countless other people. It's, it's, it's great. So congratulations. Amen. Also, uh, I, uh, I brought a couple of books that I believe will really, really bless you. Uh, one of the books is the story about my wife. Thursday, last Thursday, was five years to the day that she was hidden uh, with a fence post. And uh, it's amazing. You know, she wasn't supposed to live, but God does amazing things. And we saw it uh, happen. And so this book, a lot of people are reading this book, and they're encouraged. And, and uh, she now travels around the world ministering uh, to, to uh, across Brazil. She preaches about three times a week, preaches to thousands more people than I ever preached to. Uh, used to when, when she began her ministry, I'd go with her to encourage her, you know. And I'd sit in the front row, and she'd say, oh, that's, that's my husband, everybody. And I'd sit there and say, hi, yeah, that's me. 
And, and so, uh, but I, I don't do that anymore. You know, I feel kind of like uh, Joyce Meyer's husband. <laughs> and it's not a good feeling. And so my ego doesn't take it anymore. So, but this is a great book, a great gift. It'll, it'll encourage people going through a difficult time. And uh, I've written a few books, but I only have one in English, so I brought it here. And this book called Restart is a book that takes you through your spiritual journey. So it's an it's a amazing book to give as a gift to somebody uh, who is thinking, who is beginning to dabble with Christianity, beginning to dabble, somebody that needs to, to, to restart their life. And I, I wrote it based on an experience I had. Everyone told me that I needed an iPhone. This is about, you know, several years ago, about eight years ago, maybe six years ago. You need an iPhone. iPhones are great, and I'm an engineer. And I said, no, I'm going to go with a Samsung thing. No, you need an iPhone. So finally, I went ahead and I bought this iPhone. I had it about a week. And then Steve Jobs died. And then my iPhone stopped working. I said, this, I knew I shouldn't have bought an iPhone. I knew it. And then, so I was trying to fix it, and I spent hours trying to work it, and it just, nothing was working. So finally, I called Apple. I got on the phone with them. It took me a while, but eventually they said, well, did you press the restart? I said, uh, the what? And they said, well, you know, you press this button and this button. You hold it for 10 seconds, and, you know, it might, it might, it might work. I said, okay, so I did it. And then... That apple popped up, and then it worked. And you know, some people need to press a restart in their lives. Some people, you know, their life is such a mess that you can't fix it. You just need to have God come in and restart the whole thing. So this, this book is a great book for an encouraging book. No matter what step of, of life you are, it starts off talking about salvation. Then it talks about being planted in the local church. And then the next uh, chapter is my favorite. It talks about addictions. And I, I bring up and I talk about an addiction that I've faced in my life. You know, I, I, I was addicted to ice cream and Nutella. You know, I figured out that you can, uh, after I would get home from church, I'd preach and we'd have a night service and offering and thousands of, not thousands, but many people saved and it was just exciting. And, uh, but my mind was thinking, I need to get home and get me some ice cream. So I'd pray for people and, and how that uh, addiction, and in fact, with condensed milk on it, it, it's, it, it, so I had to get free from that. And so maybe you know people that need to be free from that or other things. And so this this will be a great, uh, great read, about a 45-minute read that's encouraging and will help people in their lives. So I hope you, you get that. So I, I'm hoping that you'll buy several to give out at Christmas time. How many of you guys are ready for the Word of God? Man, I'm excited to be here, really excited. Last time I was here, I preached, I spoke to you guys about... Uh, get going through difficult times in your lives. And I use this verse that is like a theme verse to me. And so if you allow, I just want to dig a little deeper today and just kind of continue a message from a year ago and kind of like do a, a one-year series with only two messages. <laughs> so it, it's, uh, it, look at this verse. It's an amazing verse. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, it says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, 
but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Evil days, bad days create great opportunities if you'll allow God to move. So if we were to ask here, how many of you guys are going through a difficult time in your life, a difficult day, an evil day, the Bible calls it, uh, I think many of you would raise your hands. But the key is to understand how to go through that correctly. You know, the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that, we, that all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose in uh, in, in Genesis chapter 50, we see Joseph who went through a terrible time, mistreated by his brothers, by his own family. But he says, you know, th- this happened so that God could save many. And in fact, that's what happened. The whole world was saved because he went through that and he got to Egypt and, and he was put in a position of an amazing, an amazing position where he stored up grain that was able to feed the whole world. So the whole world got saved because he went through that difficult time. So many times we go through a difficult time. We just want to hide from it. We want to avoid it. Let me tell you something. God, if you will allow him, God can do amazing things in the most difficult times of your life. He can do amazing things through your life in the most difficult time. And so I want to ask right now, if we can just pray right now. Let me see. Anyone here who who wants to pray this prayer with me where we can say, you know, God, I'm just going to give you everything in my life. And the most difficult times, whatever it is, I'm going to hand it to you and I'm going to trust that you can do something amazing that's going to bless my life. But more than that, that's going to bless other people's lives. So if that's you, you want to say, yeah, I'll, I'll be a part of that prayer, right? Now, the beginning of the service, I'll be a part of that prayer. If that's you, lift up your hands. Are you, whatever. Okay. So let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are an amazing God that loves us and loves me and every one of us. Father, we pray right now, Father, we give you permission to take the most difficult of times and turn it around, Lord, to be a blessing to our lives, but also to others. In your name we pray. Amen. So I want to talk to you a little bit about how to go through those, those times, how to, how, to, how to go through it. And really, I, I've, I think that there are basically two types of people in this world. And there are two types of people in this room here. They're the people that ask the why question. Why is this happening to me? Anyone ever heard people say that? People said that with Renee, you know, why is this happening? In fact, one, you know, some people's theology has to answer that question. They, they feel like, I got to know why. I got to know why. Why is this happening? In fact, one guy called me up when Renee was, you know, pretty much pretty dead. She was almost dead. I mean, it's like getting a corpse, putting it in the microwave, warming it up for about 10 seconds and saying, you know, it's kind of still alive. She was really bad off. This pastor called me up and said, God told me why this happened. I said, really? Yeah, God told me why this happened. I said, well, what did he say? He said, well, God told me that he had told her not to run that day, and she disobeyed, and so uh, that's why it happened. I said, wow, that's wonderful. Thank you. And uh, he just felt like he had to have that why answer. Why always looks to the past. The other kind of people, some people are why people. Other people are how people. The why say, why did this happen to me? 
The how people say, how am I going to get out of this mess? And so the why people say are always looking to the past. Why did this happen? The how people are always looking to the future. How am I going to get out of this? Let me tell you something. The God, faith always has to do with the future. Faith, if you want to live in faith, in fact, if you want to please God, the only way to please God is to live in faith. And the only way to live in faith is to look to the future. Because if you look to the past, you cannot get out of that situation. But if you look to the future, you can get out. In fact, there's a, there's a parable that's a, an amazing parable that kind of kind of uh, represents this to me. The parable of the talents. You know, that it's a very common parable. Three servants, one master, and depending on the version, uh, each servant got according to his capacity, or another version, each servant got the same thing. But for the point I'm making, which is really interesting, of the three servants that were there, one was a Y servant, and two were how servants. And you know the story. The master gave something to everyone. In fact, there's, an, there's a lesson in there for all of us because everyone here has something that God gave you and wants you to multiply. You know, we're, I guess talking about discipleship, God has something for you to do. Ephesians 2.10, he's created, uh, uh, he's given you things which he has prepared in advance for you to do, good work. So it's great things that he has for you. Everybody has that, all of us to have that. So the how, the how servants thought, you know, how am I going to get this that God has given me a multiply? The why servant said, I know why God is giving me this. I know why the master's done this. And in fact, the wise servant is the only servant in that story, no matter what version you read, that says he knew the master. It's really interesting. The why, the guy that looked at the past, he says he knew the master. Look what, look, look what he said. I knew you were a severe man. He says, I knew you were a hard man. I knew you reaped where you did not sow. I know your motivations. You know, there's some people that their theology has to deal with the why, and they say, I know. I, I, they're the ones that say, I, I know, I know what, what, what God wants. I know, I know, I know. They live, when the, the why people that know and know and know, they live in the past. The how people say, you know, I, I don't know why. I don't know how either, but I want to find out how because I've got stuff to do. God's got great things. So the how people live in the future. Let me tell you something. The, peop- the servants that multiplied were the how. They were looking to the future. The servant that focused on the why lived in the past, and he didn't accomplish anything in his life, didn't, didn't get to do anything in his life. So, uh, so, so, so let me tell you something. God wants you to focus on the future. And this is another, another parable, great parable, also illustrates this. Probably the parable that is most talked about in the world is the parable of the prodigal son. And in the parable of the prodigal son, there are two sons. One is the oldest son and then the youngest son. Now, it's really interesting. Everyone talks about the oldest son, the double portion, that kind of stuff. But there's some interesting, amazing facts about the youngest son. If you look through the Bible, there's several youngest sons that did great things. Uh, Jacob was a youngest son. Joseph was a youngest son for a lot of the time, not even though Benjamin came a little later, but for a long time, he was the youngest son. The youngest son, the oldest son here... In the prodigal son lived in the past. He said, uh, he said, uh, all these years, he was talking to his father, all these years I worked for you like a slave. 
and you passed, worked, and you never gave past me even a small goat to celebrate with my friends. And then this son of yours squandered, pointing and judging about the past in other people's lives. This son of yours squandered everything on prostitutes, past, 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 lived in the past. Because he lived in the past, he couldn't move into the things that his father had for him. But look at the youngest son. The youngest son lived in the future. Look what he said. I will. Things didn't go right. For, you know, things went bad for him. But look at his perspective on the future. I will arise. I w- future. I will go to my father's house. Future. I will say to him. Future. I will repent. I will get right. He's focusing on the future. Let me tell you something. If you want to do something great for God, it's in the future. If you want to do something great for God, you need to be looking to the future, looking to the great things that he has for you. We're so, it's so critical. So, so, uh, so how do we go through this? And really, uh, to me, my knack for always looking to the future is, in a, is a verse that everyone here knows. It's in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. You know, the love chapter. And right at the end of the love chapter, the last verse says, now these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So if the greatest is love, is faith or is hope number two? We don't know. (laughs) Faith and hope could be tied for second place or they could be second, one second, the other third. I don't know. But all I know is that faith and hope, they're pretty up there too. You know, love is the greatest, but faith and hope are number two or number three in whatever order you like. My life message is faith. My life message is faith. Recently in Brazil, you know, things, amazing things are happening in Brazil. over the last 20 years, we've been able to plant about 500 churches through the Surge Project, and the, many of these churches have thousands of, in them now. Uh, so I, I travel around, I'm speaking in them, and I'm just amazed at the things that God has done over the years. It's just, just so exciting, so exciting. We, this year, for, this, for, the, for church planting, we're going to have the second best year in 20 years. We, we, we're going to plant 50 churches through the Surge Project this year alone, and so it's just really exciting. It, it, and so it, it's, it's kind of like a faith thing. Faith is my life message. This year also we had, uh, you know, for the last couple of years I've been thinking about starting a, a dream center to minister to the poor in Rio de Janeiro. So I put it in my newsletter. I said, you know, we want to start a dream center and, 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 and help people. And so somebody read my newsletter and said, oh, uh, why don't you see if you can buy my parents' piece of land? And I said, well, where is it? I was thinking about, you know, a small building in a poor area. And they said, well, she said, well, this is a, a, a great area. You know, it has, it has, a, uh, it has sleeping uh, dormitories and little hotel rooms for 78 people. I said, uh-oh. And then she said, and it, we, we have auditoriums. We have three industrial kitchens. We have a dining room. We have office buildings. We have a swimming pool, really nice swimming pool area. We have a church building that's on this. We have a full soccer grass field and a hard basketball court as well. And, uh, and I was thinking, you know, this. And so I said, well, how much... 
you know, I was thinking about a little small thing. And she said, well, how much does this cost? And she said, well, you know, we, we want $2 million. And I said, well, how about 150000 it's amazing. Her reaction was the same as yours. She just laughed at me. It's, it's amazing. She laughed and, and she said, well, uh, we need a lot more than that. So we negotiated back and forth. I'm good at negotiating, you know. So, Finally, we agreed to $750,000, which was really a miracle. And then uh, after we finished, we agreed to that. And I said, now we're going to begin the whole other negotiation of how I'm going to pay you. <laughs> And, and so we, we went through that, and so we had about a third of it in the bank, and, and uh, she agreed to finance some of it. And so, uh, and then all of a sudden, I needed $300,000 in the next 40 days. Anyone ever needed a whole bunch of money in very little time? In Brazil, you can't, they, they don't sell, they don't, uh, you can't borrow money. A church can't borrow money in Brazil. And even a, a, a per, a person can borrow money, but it's, it's like for something like that, it'd be like 6% a month, not a year, a month. So every month you pay 6% of the principal plus whatever your, your note is. It's crazy. So you can't, you can't do it. So that, the, the cost of, of, of financing is just so high in Brazil. And so, uh, so I, I, I dropped in my heart that I'm going to find $300,000 in the next 40 days. And we raised it uh, in, in our church in Brazil and, and in churches here in the state. It's really amazing what God did. My life message is faith. God does amazing things with faith. But not everything are you certain about. Not everything are you certain about. One of the, uh, so, so how do you go through these difficult things? Faith, hope, and love. Let me talk to you about faith first. Faith is, is being certain of the things you could not see. Read it in, in Hebrews 11. You're certain of the things that you can't see. So faith is when God drops a certainty in your life. And there's certain things in our lives we can be absolutely sure of, certain. But there are a whole bunch of other things we, we, we can't. You know, one of the great... Uh, one of the great examples in my mind of faith is a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They've got a, a, it's an amazing passage. Now, you tell me if you think they are people that had faith. Uh, Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. It's pretty bold. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, it's a bad day for them. The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, see, they weren't sure. They were were sure about some stuff, but they were not sure about other stuff. Isn't that freeing? That's so freeing. You know, I've... Sometimes we, we're around people that say, no, you got to be sure. you gotta be, you got to have faith. you got to... And, and you know, say, okay, okay. And so you, you, like, you go into a closed, dark room and you, mm, i got to have faith. <sighs> okay, now I've got faith. You know, faith, you can't pop it out of yourself like that. Have you ever seen? You can't, you can't force it out. Faith, in fact, the Bible says that faith is a gift. In, in, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, is a gift 
that God even, you know, was saved uh, uh, by grace through faith, but that not of your own. It is a gift so that no man can boast. It's something that God gives us. You can't force it out. And so it's just so freeing to me to see this story. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. So by them admitting they weren't sure, do you think they had more faith or less faith? I think these guys, these three men were examples of faith that I want to follow. But they were like real. They're real people. They're going through something real. And they, they say, what, what were they sure of? That God is good. They were certain of that. They were sure that God knew what was going on. They were sure he was able to deliver them from the furnace. He, they, were sure, they were sure about a lot of stuff. But they weren't sure about everything. And that's how life is. God drops faith in your, in your heart, and you can be certain about certain things. To be honest with you, I was sure I was going to find $300,000. And we did, and we bought it. It's great. And the, you know, the, the Dream Center now, we have a medical clinic one day a week. We have a dental clinic. Somebody donated a f- brand new, spanking new uh, dental chair there, and we have dental a dental clinic one day a week. We have uh, hundreds of kids come in for soccer every week. We are about to start ballet lessons for girls. We're about to start um, a UFC fighting class, which I'm still praying about, but it's, uh, they seem to like it down there. Uh, and we're, we're going to start swimming lessons now. This, as the summer begins to kick in, we're going to start swimming lessons for the, for the congregation. I was sure that we were going to get that. But can I be honest with you? When I went through that with Renee, I was sure about a lot of things, but I was not sure that Renee was going to be totally healed. I was sure that God loved us. I was sure that he um, uh, had uh, some sort of solution, but I wasn't sure what that was going to be, and that's how Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were. They, they were sure about certain things. So when you go through a difficult thing, you know, you, you can, you can kind of... Separate out what you have faith for. What you have faith for are the things that you are sure of. And, you know, I don't think, and the, I don't think that there's any amount of sitting in a, in a closed door and repeating something a thousand times is going to make you more or less sure of something. It is something that God puts inside you that is the certainty. But, but, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were not sure, but they hoped he would deliver them. Isn't that right? Uh, they, they, they were sure that God was good, and they were not sure he was going to deliver from the furnace. But I think they said, but I hope he does. <laughs> there's, you know, th- there's such a freeing thing about hope. Hope is something that is incredibly powerful that God has given us. Faith is the certainty. Now, let me tell you about a couple of villains of faith. Uh, faith is... Uh, faith can be, can be watered down and sucked away from us. Uh, one of the things that is a villain of faith is uh, uh, focusing on the past. Now, sometimes we focus on the past, we don't even realize it. We, th- we focus on the past, we think it's a good thing. Uh, for example, P- I don't know if you've ever heard people say, the worship songs we used to sing, those were really anointed. <laughs> ever heard anyone say that? You know, it sounds like a good thing. You know, oh, I love those worship songs in the 80s or the 70s or 
the 90s or the 2000s. I don't know. It depends on your age. Of course you love the songs when you got saved. Of course you do. But let me tell you what faith is. Faith says, but the best worship songs are yet to come. The best worship is still, is still being written. In fact, up in heaven, yeah, I think we'll probably sing some oldies too, but we'll sing some even better songs, even better songs. So, so focusing on the past, we think it's good. Or, the, or the, those retreats we used to go to, those were great. Now, guy, now it's, it's watered down. If we live in the past, it sucks faith out of us. Not another way of looking at another way of focusing in the past of people uh, is a villain of faith is, is saying that the way uh, uh, ever, nothing ever works out for me and nothing ever works out for me and it never will. Projecting past failures into the future sucks faith out. Not, another, another villain of faith is a secularism and sometimes we don't even realize that. I'm an engineer, you know, and, and we, we, we think that everything has to have a scientific explanation. In, you know, we come to church and we say, no, God can do a miracle, but, you know, it's going to happen through a secular, through a scientific explanation. Let me tell you something. God can do whatever he likes. Amen? God can, God can work through the doctors, and he did with Renee, uh, or he can just do a, just an amazing miracle in however he wants to do an amazing miracle. And so when we just focus too much on a secular viewpoint, it sucks faith out of things. It just sucks it out. So the first thing is faith. The second thing that helps us get through these difficult times is hope. And, and hope is something you bathe everything in. You know, there's a, there's a great uh, uh, example of hope. Uh, Peter, he, in Acts chapter 12, Peter is uh, Herod. Uh, is a, uh, just killed James, and he got Peter. He realized that killing James was good for his, you know, his political uh, needs, and so he took Peter, and he was going to try him and then kill him also. Peter is shackled between two soldiers in the deepest dungeon, and uh, then an angel comes, taps him on the shoulder, says, get up. The shackles automatically fall off, kind of like a movie. He gets dressed. He walks out. The gates open without anyone touching them. You know that story? It's just an amazing story. And, and uh, uh, you know, it's, he probably never saw gates open. I remember the first time I saw things automatically open, there was a pad at the grocery store. You step on it, and it, a door opens, and you wait. So it was like that. And, and he walked out. But look at this verse. In verse uh, 9, it says, uh, Peter followed the angel out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. If he had no idea, he wasn't certain. It wasn't faith. But he hoped it would. Let me tell you something about hope. People don't preach that much about hope. They, they talk about faith. Let me tell you something about hope. Hope is a perspective that bathes everything in your life. Let me, let me you know, somebody, somebody told, talked to me about hope. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, this is what I think. Everything always works out for me. And I told that to somebody once and they came and they said, well, really, Philip? Everything always works out for me? Yeah, everything always works out for me. It's always good. And, and they said, well, really? Didn't you get robbed at gunpoint in your own home? And I said, yeah, yeah, but, you know, no one was killed. <laughs> really? No one was killed? But didn't they say they were going to rape your wife and rape your daughter? And didn't they tie you up? And didn't they say they were going to take your son with them? I said, yeah, they said that, but they didn't do it. 
<laughs> so, uh, well, really? Everything always works out? Well, yeah, didn't they take your car and take your phones and some sound system? I said, yeah, they did, but I got my car back. You know, uh, well, well, really, everything always works out? Well, didn't, didn't, uh, uh, didn't your wife get attacked and beaten with a fence post almost to death? Yeah, but she's better now. Uh, well, really? Well, wasn't she in a coma and didn't she go through six brain surgeries? Well, yeah, yeah, but she's fully recovered and she's preaching all over the place now. Well, really? Everything always works out. Well, didn't you go through two years of recovery with her? Didn't, you t- didn't that steal two years out of your life? I said it didn't steal two years. It was the two best years of our life. For 21 years of my marriage, Renee served me hand and foot, bringing me coffee every morning in bed these two years I've got the opportunity to serve her now she's bringing me coffee again isn't it great <laughs> so, <laughs> so 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 hope is bathing everything in your life with a, with a viewpoint that God is, is good and, and faith is being sure but for everything else Bathe it in hope. Bathe it in God works through hope. If you don't, you have hope. It sucks the ability of God giving you faith. Hope is a bed that you lay for great things for happening in your life. You make a, just a wonderful scenario for everything. Everything always works out. So there's some things that can steal hope too. Some villains uh, for hope. Well, the first villain for hope is negative people. Anybody know a negative person? Negative people can suck the hope out of any situation. They, you know, uh, there was a study just came out in, at NYU. Um, so it's an interesting study. In this study, uh, they took three people, they took several people and they put uh, electroencephalograms on their brain to see their brain waves. And then when they brought them together and got them talking and joking and talking together, they noticed that the brain waves in all three people synchronized. So people began to synchronize their thoughts and their emotions. It's interesting, you know, if, if you're a parent or maybe you're a kid and your parent told you, don't hang out with that person. Anyone ever heard that? Because there'll be a bad influence. Well, now your parent has scientific proof that they're right. Scientific proof. And, and, and the truth is, with the people we hang out with, our brainwaves synchronize. So if you, if you are around negative people, they will suck the hope out of any situation. The second villain is, is an attitude of rejection at our, at our um, uh, dream center uh, two, three weeks ago. A lady came in. And she was in a very situ- bad situation. She was a grandmother. She had a gra- her grandkid with her, a baby. And she said, he has cancer. And uh, I looked at him. He had an access point for a spinal tap. And he's, you know, he's, she said, you know, I don't even have any formula for him. And I said, well, well, we'll get you some formula. We went right then and bought some and gave it to her. Dream Center is just beginning, you know. And, uh, and I said, look, and if you, in fact, if you, you can just come back here, we'll give you the formula for as long as he needs it. And so she said, okay. And so I said, look, come back next week and get some more. And she said, okay. And she came back the next day and, and we weren't ready for her because we said every week, you know, we gave her enough for a week. She said, well, you got any more? I said, yeah. Oh, we went out and bought some more, another week's worth. And she came back the next day and she said, you know, you have any more? I said, well, 
by the way, we do. We were prepared this time, but we gave her two cans. The can mixes with water, so it goes a long way. And she said, well, uh, two cans, that's it? You're only going to give me two cans? And I, I said, you know, uh, yeah. And she said, well, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the voodoo worship place, they gave me five cans. I wanted to grab it by the neck, da, 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 da. but instead of that, I let the Holy Spirit bathe me, and <laughs> and uh, and I, I said, "Well, uh, I'll give you another three, too." <laughs> and 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 what I realized is that people who have been rejected, they are convinced everyone is going to reject them, and they project that rejection, and they create circumstances until. You reject them too. And it's maybe some of you guys in here have, have, have been in a situation like that. It sucks hope out. That rejection sucks the ability to hope that the great and wonderful things will come. Bathing everything in, in hope. Let me tell you something. God wants to heal you of that. And the final thing is love. Love is, is the way you get through difficult times. Love is a, is a perspective. You know, faith always has to do with the future. Hope always has to do with the future. And love also has to do with the way you look at others with God's eyes. You choose to look at others with God's eyes. And uh, uh, love is something that constantly, you know, the, the love looks to the future and smiles. You know, when Renee comes into, sometimes people don't understand love, you know, they, they're crying. And, you know, when Renee comes into the room, when I look at Renee, she comes in, I hadn't seen her for a while. I love her. My attitude is to smile, to stand up and to, you know, give her a hug and a kiss. When we, if we love, when we project love, it should change the way we, we act. It changes the way we look at people. You know, some of the, the things that can suck love out of our lives, three things that can suck love out of our lives. The first is sin. If you allow sin in your life, it sucks your passion. And you no longer have enough passion. Sometimes you want, ah, you know, I don't, I don't feel that the worship was this. It's, it's not the worship because some people are just passionate. It's something that's sucking the passion out of your life. And sometimes it's divided things that suck passion out of your life. I told my son, he was playing FIFA 2017. It was sucking the passion out of his life. So he went cold turkey, no FIFA. Now he loves God again. <laughs> Sometimes sin can be stuff like that. You know, the other thing that, that, that sucks love out of your life is, is an attitude of individuality. I don't know if you've ever seen that person that says, it has to be done my way. You, you know, these people, they can't even work with teams because... No, it's got to be this way. It's got to be this way. It just sucks love out. Let me tell you something. God can do things all kinds of ways. And uh, just, it doesn't have to be your way. But the biggest thing that sucks love out of people's lives, love, love out of your life, is an attitude of individuality. An, at, an attitude of, excuse me, isolation. 
an attitude which says, I just don't want to be around people. Well, you're not going to like heaven because there are going to be people there, a bunch of them. And, you know, all of us go through times where we want to be alone. But let me tell you, if you, if you, if you want to be alone so much, it's because love is being sucked out of your life. There's no point to love without others. The whole point of love is others. God loved the, wor the world so much that he sent his only son. He love always has to do with others. If you don't want to be around others, let's pray that God will change that. How many of you are courageous enough, courageous enough to love, courageous enough to allow yourself to be around others? I want to pray with you guys. The whole point of my message was to help you go through difficult times in your life. I didn't ask at the beginning of the service, but how many of you you're going through a difficult time or maybe you're in a difficult decision right now. Your mind tells you one thing, your heart tells you another. Or how many of you are going through a difficult time right now? Maybe it's in your health or finances or another area of your life. I just want to pray with you right now. If that is you and you say, I am going through a difficult time of my life right now. If that's you, lift up your hand quickly. It's just sign if the, Only if that's you. If you're going through a difficult time right now, if that's you, lift up your hand. Okay, well, stand up if, if you're okay with that. I just want to pray with you guys specifically. And the, other, the rest of you are just going to stretch your arm toward the people that are standing up and just let love flow out because love has to do with us. Let faith flow. Let, bathe everything in hope. If you don't know, you can at least hope. I hope it'll work out. I hope. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every single person in this place. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your powerful anointing in this place. Father, we can, we can, we can flow in faith knowing, Lord, that you're a good God, knowing, Lord, that you have great things for our lives, knowing, Lord God, that you are involved even in this circumstance, Father. And we, Lord, just bathe this circumstance in hope. Father, I hope, Lord, that you will, that you will transform this situation, Father. Father, I, I know, Lord God, that no matter how it gets worked out, that you are going to have involvement. And no matter how it gets worked out, Lord, that your hope, Lord, is going to flow and that, 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 that in the end, the best scenario will happen, Lord. Father, thank you, Lord God, for hope and, Lord, for love. Fill us with love, knowing, Lord God, that no matter what happens, Father, you are going to do great things, Lord God, and that you are going to use this to bless our life and to bless other people's lives as well, Lord. In your name we pray. In your name we pray. Amen. Say amen. Amen, amen means you agree. You agree. Wow. What a privilege and honor. Let me just encourage you again. These books will bless your life. Buy them to give to somebody else. God bless you guys. Love you guys.